It's time to party. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, welcome to America WK. This is Andrew WK. And as always, it is my sincere privilege and pleasure to be speaking with you. And when I say as always, that does not lessen the impact of the fact that I'm here with you. It actually makes it more incredible. The fact that I've gotten to do this more than once. How can this even be? You'd think the first time that this show went on the air, it would be immediately pulled off. So it's almost miraculous that we find ourselves here at episode number 23. A fantastic and rather infamous number. Notorious to some, celebrated by others. 23 is a great example of finding significance in what many might think is completely insignificant. If you start looking for this number, 23, it seems as though it appears more and more frequently and in more and more meaningful situations. But it's a good experiment to then take any other number, perhaps a number you choose randomly or perhaps a number that already has some sort of importance to you, and start to look for that popping up around you. And while looking for a lucky number, for example, such as 23, or your birthday, or any number that you pick that has some sort of significance to you, whether you came up with that significance or it existed already, it's a strange type of looking. Because you're not looking in the same way as you are searching, let's say when you're trying to find your keys or your phone or some other lost, commonly misplaced object. And it's not like you're trying to find uh, a rare item that you're trying to track down like a very hard to find old antique book or if you're a collector of other obscure objects. You're not hunting the same way as you would for some unique artifact. The search for a meaningful number is almost sort of pathetic because numbers are around us constantly. We know that it's only a a matter of time before we'll see this number. But it does seem that when we see it, and we're looking for it in this kind of relaxed way, because it's it's not an urgent search. It's just holding it simultaneously in the back of your mind and in the front of your mind. And it pops up in a way that, that almost is like music. It's like hearing a familiar melody at a certain time. Like if you just were thinking, for example, of a song, only then to have a car drive by with that same song playing out their windows. These sort of 
synchronicities, coincidences, coincidences, they make us stop and think and look for some sort of deeper meaning. And you can do this with all kinds of things. It doesn't even have to be numbers. The reason numbers are a great way to exercise this type of awareness, this type of focus, this type of relaxed looking is because, as I said, they're all around us all the time. There's no shortage of numbers, and we interact with them really nonstop. I mean, the world is made up of numbers in a very real way. But beyond this idea of numbers, we can enjoy this process of trying to kind of tune in to what's around us with this understanding that if we're looking for something, the odds are we will find it or the odds are we'll notice it. And as far as to why that happens, that's up for debate. Some say it's it's almost a magical, mystical type of experience where looking for these things actually makes them appear. Others say that's completely ridiculous, that you're just noticing them because you're trying to find them. Some would say it's a bit of both. Some would say it's not within our grasp. It's not within our uh, ability to really understand how these things work. Some say that just by looking out into the world, you impact it. Just purely by observing, by gazing out, you're somehow affecting what is being seen. Others say that what's there is there whether you look at it or not. It kind of reminds you of that saying, if a tree falls in a forest and you're not there to hear it, does it make any sound at all? Well, in a way, it doesn't, at least as far as you're concerned. And if we do think about how much information, just how much stuff is going on around us at all times, it's clear that even if we don't think we're trying to focus on particular things, we absolutely have to. We have to tune in to actually just a very small sliver, a very narrow band of frequency, not just in sound and in light, vision, smell, taste. Our senses can only really manage to process a very small amount of the world, of life, of existence, reality. So... We're already doing this game. And that's when another great old saying really seems to ring true. The whole idea that one's attitude, in a large way, determines one's experience. So that what you're looking for, what mindset you have, that you carry around with you and use to filter the world to notice the world that that's actually what you'll end up seeing that's what you'll end up hearing that's what you'll end up noticing so if you're looking for good stuff you will see good stuff you will notice good stuff good stuff will seem to pop up all around you if you're looking for bad stuff there's no shortage of that either and the more specific you can be about what you're looking for the more you'll find of it. And that can be taken with a very large grain of salt. But at the very least, we can say that we do have some control over what we 
choose to notice, what we seek out, and what we take notice of. And if we are looking for the number 23, well, you just found it here in this episode of America WK. And if you're looking for episode number 13, you got to go back 10 episodes, but it's there. Sometimes even not seeing or finding what you're looking for seems to have a significance in its absence. But perhaps this is just a, a nice reminder, a nice little refresher to ask ourselves, what is my mindset? How has my attitude been? Have I been in a negative headspace? And have I been noticing a lot of bad stuff because of that? It's hard to know which comes first in a situation like that. Do you become negative because so much negative stuff has happened? Or is so much negative stuff happening because you're being negative? Well, I would like to think that you've been doing okay. Well, I'd actually like to think you've been doing fantastic. But I would never assume that just in case you've been going through a more challenging time. But even if it's been challenging, I certainly... Wish all the strength in the world to you and that you're able to still look out into the world and whatever sliver of experience you're able to notice, I hope there is some goodness in that. It's America WK. Today's topic, we're going to discuss leadership. Never really gone into that. So stay with me. We're going to take a short break and I'll be right back. My name is Andrew WK. Don't go away. America WK with your host, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. Have. Bush now has to support Donald Trump if he wins. So I think you may hear sometime soon he negotiated a deal that he had to do anyway. He was a hostage. They had a gun to his head. The laws would have kicked him off the ballots. He had to do it. So he said, all right, I have to do this. There's no way out. There's no way out. What can I still get for this? Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Now, the king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew W.K. All right, welcome back to America W.K. This is Andrew W.K., episode 23, talking about the significance of that number. I mean, every number is significant in a way, even in its insignificance. But we're talking about noticing certain numbers. Obviously, if you have a birth date that you pick as a password or as a pin number or as a lottery number you've already played this game to some extent but how else can we apply this looking for certain things of significance and relation to those inner mysterious parts of ourselves and our lives you know even doing this show right now i I still can't fully believe it's happening. I, I really can't, just as an aside here. Every time I sit down here 
to do a new episode with you. Part of me can't believe that it's actually happening. I think, again, it's it's because it's once a week, so there's all this buildup. Pretty much I'm thinking about the next episode as soon as I finish last week's episode. Well, maybe there's a, a, a brief window where uh, there's just a sense of satisfaction, a sense of completion, you know, wondering how people are going to like it, wondering if you're going to hear it. But then I'm just pretty much thinking about the next the next episode. Uh, very much like playing concerts, like a, playing a show. Uh, everything is pointing to the next concert. As soon as the next concert comes, then it's on to the next one. There's this incredible perpetual kind of motion with that almost like if you're on a ferris wheel and of course you're working your way around this ferris wheel up to the top but you unless you're stopped for whatever reason and someone's getting on or off below you you're only at that top for a very brief moment and then you're already on your way around again anticipating the next time that you go up there and that's what it's like doing this show I'm anticipating it as soon as it's over. And it's a strange, strange situation, a strange feeling. Uh, but I enjoy that. There's not much reflection. Perhaps there should be more. There's a bit of an afterglow. Uh, but mostly there's a sense of uh, how can I do better and how can I apply whatever's going to happen this week to the next show. It's It's... A constant presence. In that way, I feel like I am doing the show every day. I feel like I am talking to you every day. Because once you start this type of dialogue, you start thinking, for me at least, someone who's had very little previous experience with radio or with talking uh, on a show like this in general, I start thinking in terms of this, this type of conversation. I start hearing thoughts in this way i imagine maybe a lot of people that have done radio feel that or perhaps they're so much more advanced that they don't separate the two or they just consider how they always speak to be the same way they speak on radio but i'm i'm definitely trying to communicate to you with all my abilities however limited they may be whatever skills or resources that i have as a human being who possesses some limited speech ability trying to use that ability to really talk with you and it's kind of taken over my life not in a bad way it's nice when something takes over your life especially when it's rather unexpected when a passion descends upon you that you didn't even see coming. I don't think I would have really have had the audacity to ever dream of doing this. And that's not to say that it isn't a dream come true in a way. It's a dream I didn't even know I had. How unusual of a sensation that is. And speaking of unusual sensations, it's autumn now. Where I am based, it is, uh, you know, in the northern part of the United States. And 
Actually, I have never for the last, uh, I don't know, let's see here. The last 20, well, no, last 32 years. For the last 32 years, I have not lived for any extended period of time anywhere that did not have the full-blown four seasons. Spring, summer, fall, winter. And I have just uh, addicted to that cycle. I, I, I can't get enough of it. I absolutely love these transitions. And right now, these last couple days are the first couple days where it's really felt like fall. Perhaps you've noticed this. I'm not sure where you are. But I really do imagine that even in very warm climates way down south... I think there's still, it may be more subtle, but there still is a perceptible shift between the seasons. If it's a temperature drop, if it's a a quality to the air, it is subtle even up, up north here. Subtle not so much in how it, I guess, feels, but subtle in how it affects the way you feel. I mean, as usual here, I'm having a difficult time describing this. With fall, with autumn, to me, it is the feeling of possibility. If if spring, spring is normally considered this time of rebirth, right? Which makes perfect sense for many reasons. And we won't go too far into this. But I can't, uh, I can't avoid talking about this because I've been feeling it all day, the last couple of days. Spring was always said to be this time of, of, of you know, ex- extreme rebirth, of newness, of freshness. Of course, after a long, cold winter, plants and animals are stirring and blooming. But for some reason, I found that time to be rather uninspiring. I don't know why. Maybe you relate to this. Rather, almost sort of bleak, which makes no sense because... Talk about bleak. Uh, winter is traditionally bleak. I mean, overcast skies, cold and gray, icy and, you know, uh, a rather oppressive atmosphere. But I actually really like winter because I like being inside. I like wearing many layers of clothing. Spring to me was always some, somehow kind of disappointing or there was almost a kind of stress this kind of, uh, like, here we go again. I don't know. It's odd. You'd think that New Year's, I would feel that more. Uh, come January 1st, here we go again. But there was something about spring. I, maybe, you know, my birthday is in May. Maybe that that would explain it, I guess, to a degree. But most people, especially young children, would be excited about their birthday. I never really felt that strongly about it. But something about fall, to me is the time of rebirth, the time of newness, the time of inspiration, the time of excitement, the time of possibility, of new opportunity, of unknown adventures, things happening that are going to be incredible that you don't even know what they're going to be. I think for maybe for maybe for, for nature, apart from humans, for the animal world, spring is rebirth. For humans, maybe it's autumn. 
Any fall. It's America WK. Stay with me. A party for being alive. This is America WK. With Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stu. They're trying to figure out if she goes to jail. I've got to read that. I read about that because I where thought that do case they was put him slash her? Well, first of all, Kate's not going to jail. Uh, Bruce is not going to jail. Uh, yeah, no, Bruce, they're not going to put Bruce Kate in jail. Uh, not going to happen. I don't not going to happen. I don't oh my know. gosh! No way. Pat and Stu weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK, and I was talking about fall, autumn. To me, this is the time of tantalizing possibility, romantic possibility. I have always felt this not lustful kind of surge, but uh, a real feeling of love and goodwill and excitement. Excitement's the best word, because excitement can certainly be physical, but it's emotional, it's mental, it's spiritual. Fall is a time of excitement. Might have something to do with Halloween. I'm sure there are what some might call astrological aspects to this, this feeling. Do you feel this? If so, what do you suppose it's coming from? I don't want to question it past a certain point. I'm just glad that it happens every, every year. It actually just seems to be getting stronger. I think that's because every time the seasons cycle around again, it piles back up on itself. I mean, you've been through it many times before. I was thinking about this last night. I mean, if you live to be, let's say, you're lucky, you live to be 90 years old, that's still only 90 winters or 90 falls or 90 summers or springs. For some reason, thinking about it like that, like I'm only going to be able, if I live to be 90, I'll only be able to enjoy that transition, this, this wonderful feeling of summer into fall 90 times. I mean, 90 times, that's its not even 100 times, right? It all seems so small and short in that way. And each time it passes over, it does seem to build on itself. I think about last fall, and then I think about the time before that. But you think about them all at once. You think about every fall you've been through kind of as one big solid feeling all at once. It's like an infinite regress. If you're looking in a mirror with a mirror behind you and you see yourself reflected back, boing, 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 boing. It's like I'm thinking of every fall and every fall I thought about that feeling again and every fall before that I thought about it and they all stack up. These seasons, they remind you of who you were and who you still are. 
that you went through all of it and still are yourself. It somehow uh, reconnects you to yourself. Imagine if there really were no seasons at all. There was no cycle, no pattern. These patterns are very interesting because we, we, we of course, know it's not the same fall. Even though it may smell similar, there's traditions that are repeating the names of the months. There are rituals unfolding in a repetitive fashion. But, of course, they're all fresh. They're all new. It's not literally reliving last fall. Patterns are like spirals. They pass by themselves, but on a, a different track. It's like going around and round again, but never quite the same circle. Which is very similar. Well, I hope you're enjoying fall. Hope you're enjoying this feeling. And if you're not, maybe try 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 my mindset. If you're someone who uh who hates the cold or or winter approaching, try pretending that you actually like it. I've definitely done that with the hot weather, being someone who, as I mentioned, has never been particularly fond of spring or summer. I didn't want to not like it, and I really admired people uh, and envied people who enjoyed the heat, enjoyed the sun, enjoyed that outdoor green rejuvenation. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to adopt their mindset. I'm going to put myself in their head or put their brain in my brain, in my skull, and look out through their eyes. And I was able to do it. I mean, sometimes I really had to do it because it would be so hot and so uncomfortable. I had to pretend I was someone who liked being hot. And actually, it worked. I mean, I was always in the summers to this very day still just dripping with sweat no matter. It doesn't seem to, to have any impact uh, being in air conditioning. That seems to make no difference at all. It's like if if it's hot outside, my body seems to think that's just how it is. And so I talked to a friend who never used air conditioning in the summer. It could be 110 degrees. And he just said, oh, I love the heat. I just love the heat. And I had never thought about it that way. It always seemed to be something to avoid, something to try to change, something to escape try to get away from the heat, try to solve the problem of the heat. Never thought about just loving the heat. How could you love that feeling? How could he love the feeling that I actually exactly hated? So I just tried loving the heat, and it actually worked. And I've used that uh, many times now. In moments of uh, physical discomfort, especially trying to decide that I like this feeling. If you're in a very cramped area, for example, like a cramped airplane seat, well, all of a sudden, I like being cramped. It's cozy. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's not claustrophobic. It's intimate. It's not uh, stiff and boxed in. It's uh, compact and... Uh, challenging in a fun way. I mean, gosh, you can really push yourself 
But that's, uh, you know, trying to lead your mind down a different path. Resting control of your feelings remains a very, very challenging thing to do. But definitely seems worth the effort. Well, today's topic is a daunting one. I guess as usual for me. But this one is certainly relevant, poignant. This topic is leadership. Now, as usual, I'm not speaking from a point of authority here or a position of leadership. But like anyone who's lived it all, I've had experiences with being led, following, and trying to lead in some capacity. And it's certainly a an aspect of day-to-day life that we all engage in one way or another. We all should, I think, strive to be able to be leaders and to be able to be followers. In fact, one of the most difficult things about this day and age seems to be that far too many of us, and perhaps myself included, maybe not you, but seems like a lot of us are not quite willing to be led, not quite willing to follow, and not quite willing to lead. So we're sort of stuck. So what can we do about this idea of leadership? This is our topic. Stay with me. I'll be right back. It's America WK. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. It wasn't long ago that Angela Merkel of Germany wanted to open the doors of her country to whichever migrants could get there. Well, now there are reports that many of these travelers from the Middle East and beyond are causing problems in these societies that they are entering into, and there are already calls for women to cover themselves more. We'll get into that and much more today at noon on The Buck Sexton Show. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. My name is Andrew WK. And today's topic is leadership. As always, I suppose this is a bit of a disclaimer. I'm not going to be able to get that deep into this. There's just no way. But let's discuss some of the basic ideas here. I mean, this is something I'm thinking about a lot, not just because of our current political season with elections and things like that, because really, I don't even think that uh, politicians necessarily should be leaders. I think many of them are certainly not qualified to lead everybody or even a small portion of people. 
or a specific group they're meant to represent. Now, I am not going to go much deeper into governmental politics and leadership because, one, it's being beautifully covered by dozens, if not hundreds of people from every different side, every different perspective. What could I possibly add to that? Not to discount the importance of anyone's particular point of view, but I really am quite happy to not chime in beyond that. I will say this, we have to be our own leaders. And I don't just mean in our own day-to-day life. I mean, we have to be, I mean, talk about the President of the United States of America. We each should be, in our own way, our own President. We should strive to operate at the level that we would expect someone to operate at if they were to be our president. Not that we would have all the same qualifications or life experiences, but that we would try to be that level of caliber, that level of quality. And if we consciously decide not to live up to that level, then it's rather hard to pick on other folks for not living up to it either. Although if you say, I'm not running for that job, so why should I have to strive to be that good because we really should be able to lead our own lives. And if we look to someone else to do it for us, we will always be disappointed. We will always be let down. No one could possibly do it. It's hard enough just to run your own life than to run everyone's life. And I don't think we should look to these leaders or a stereotypical leader to lead our lives. Ideally, they should protect the conditions which allow us to live freely. They should really be led by us, be led by those efforts to make sure that we can live the way that we should live. Individually. That doesn't have anything to do with telling us what to do. It has very little to do with limiting what we're able to do. It's really a very humble, small task in a way. It's almost sort of not doing anything rather than doing a bunch of stuff. But I digress, as has so often been the case on this show. Leadership. I think the best leaders that I've ever experienced, there was one thing that that always surprised me and really stood out. And uh, this is all different kinds of people in all different capacities, all different ages. The one quality that I was always really moved by, and again, surprised because I wouldn't expect it to come from some of these people that I'm proud to say I was able to follow to be led by all these leaders that I experienced. And I'm, I'm I'm guessing you'll have experienced these similar traits. This, this one trait in particular, they didn't lead other people in terms of being a boss. For example, in terms of telling people what to do, they did it. They did what we were supposed to do. 
They did it first. They literally led. So if there was a job to do, like loading up a bunch of heavy sandbags in the back of a pickup truck, they didn't lead us by saying, okay, all you guys pick up those bags. They went and picked up the first bag and put it on the truck. And there was something so impressive or humbling or, or, or just inspiring, even if it was just simple physical labor, about seeing this person who, who, who didn't necessarily have to do that type of work do it without anyone telling them to do it. And once they did it, they didn't even have to tell us to do it. That's just what we all did because we were all doing it together. So all these different leaders I've had, whether they were, they were bosses uh, on a job or teachers or people that we were working together in a very particular type of, I don't know, project with a shared sense of purpose, there was never a time when one of those leaders, the really good leaders, wasn't doing everything themselves with us, not for us, not instead of us, not because they thought they could do it better. They were working with us, not above us, side by side or in front, doing oftentimes the hardest work. No work was beneath them. That was always the most admirable trait of the leaders that I got to follow. This is America WK. We're talking about leadership. Stay with me. I'll be right back. This is America WK, hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo. Learn English. That is the language of, of prosperity. Because you're fleeing countries that speak Spanish, frankly, that uh, aren't doing so hot. So if you want to speak the language of commerce, of free enterprise, of capitalism, learn English. And then plug in, become prosperous, as so many have throughout the centuries here in the United States of America. Chris Salcedo. Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. It's time to party. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, we're back on America WK. This is Andrew WK. Today's topic is leadership. And I was just describing what I consider probably to be the most admirable leadership quality. And I don't know if there's one word to sum this up, but it's the willingness to go further than anyone that you're leading. If you have a team of people, you are part of that team as much as you are leading that team. No job was too dirty or grimy for the best bosses I ever worked for. If, if they expected me to do something they themselves would be just as willing to do it and oftentimes did whether it was to train me and show me how to do it or because it needed to get done. So they pitched in 
And I was always just blown away by that. Sometimes these people were, you know, very advanced, being paid very well. There was no hesitation. There were some jobs I worked on uh, filming videos, for example, filming TV shows, where despite a very, maybe even inconsequential type of TV show, sometimes the hours were very long. And the behind-the-scenes environment can be quite grueling. And directors, at their best, are incredible leaders in many, many ways, not the least of which is this energy level that a director, at least the ones I've worked with, has to maintain. The director was there on this particular show I worked on he was there before anyone else at least in the crew that I saw or cast early in the morning and was the last to leave and there was never a moment where this guy's adrenaline dropped I mean we would go for there was the the last day we shot that we filmed on this project we started at 6 a.m. And went all the way to the next day at 8 a.m. without stopping. I mean, there was breaks, of course. There was food. And there was different times to focus on different particular tasks. I mean, I was just one cast member, so I had quite a few breaks. But this director, he had to go the whole time. There was no other director to take his spot. There was no time for him to take a break. Even during the lunch breaks or dinner breaks... He was using that time to do other work to get ready for the next scenes. And there was never a complaint. There was never a sigh of exhaustion or even a yawn, which, of course, anyone would have understood or expected. There was this adrenaline buzz going so high that this director's presence, his adrenaline permeated the entire set. He energized everybody. Because of his energy level. And because he wasn't complaining, it didn't even occur to me to complain. I mean, he was in charge. He had more right to complain than anybody. He had more work, more responsibility, more pressure. And yet he was making it all look extraordinarily easy. Or at least look like he was giving everything he had and doing it with joy. And in that situation, it's a joy to work with that person. It's a joy to work for them, to serve them. You want to make that person pleased. I don't even know why exactly. It's a, it's a, a feeling comes over you. You're swept up in this person's energy. A leader has that much energy that they're able to put it inside you. Their energy is, is, is so vast that they're not only just sharing it, but it actually becomes your energy. And I remember finishing that shoot, which was, I guess, 26 hours long. And I couldn't even sleep when, when I got back to the hotel. I mean, I was definitely overtired and your, your, your body kicks into very strange modes of maintaining adrenaline and maintaining energy and going without sleep. And I'm sure all the coffee didn't hurt, but I was buzzing. I w- and it wasn't a buzz of exhaustion. It was a buzz of, of real happiness. 
that I had contributed to something that was incredible. Even if actually the TV thing that we were filming, even if that was never seen, it was this this feeling that I had been part of an incredible explosion of teamwork and energy and, and led by people who were all in it together. Everybody that was on that shoot was there together. I've tried to hold on to that feeling and remember the, that, that, that time and times like that when there has not been that type of energetic leader present or when I'm being called to be that type of person or maybe that I could contribute that energy to someone else. I don't know where that comes from, but clearly someone who's a director like that, that is one of their talents. That may be their biggest talent. Not just telling someone how to act, not just directing a scene or motivating a team, but literally having this this vitality that is so palpable that it emanates from them and, and empowers an entire area. Kind of like a like a fuel cell that you don't even need to plug something into it. Just being nearby charges you up. They're radiating energy. I'm sure you've probably been around someone like that. It's incredible. It's a, it's a gift. And when someone actually uses that gift and applies that skill in a very visible very very real way i mean it's 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 just absolutely tremendous it's like they have the uh the energy of many many people all inside them at once so how can we in moments tap into that maybe it's not our born gift but can we muster up that kind of strength at times especially in times when we really have to in times that are more urgent than filming a TV show, for example, when the going gets tough, will we be able to summon that kind of energy and radiate it out? Or, Perhaps just as importantly, will we be able to find someone around us who has that energy and encourage them to radiate it? And this is where the idea of followers becomes just as important as the idea of leaders. Of course, it's like inhaling and exhaling. It's two sides of the same coin. But more than two sides of the same coin, it's two polarities two pair it's a pair two things that make up one thing and you can't have one without the other if there's no one to follow then we don't need a leader if there's no one to lead then where do the followers go the best leaders are the ones that are also able to follow that are flexible that can be two things at once and again, I've seen people, I've worked with people like this who, it's not that they had bosses coming in where then they had to follow a boss. They would bounce back 
between people being a follower and a leader with the same people because of different situations. For example, they may have to be a leader with someone who's just suffered an injury and then at the same time take an order from that person who's telling them how to help their, their injury. I've seen that happen during concerts where they, uh, a security guard had to, you know, more or less be a leader and hold order around a concert event and then all of a sudden take orders from one of those audience members who was just injured and needed help and was able to be both strong and gentle. Truly impressive. It's America WK. Stay with me. I'll be right back. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. For you law enforcement officers that are listening, if someone says, do you want to see me dance? The answer is always yes. Yes, I do. I want to see you dance. Let me make sure you're properly aligned in my dash cam, and I would love to see you dance. Step right here. Let me get my cell phone, and yes, dance. dance. Go ahead, dance. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to America WK with Andrew WK. All right, we're back at America WK. This is Andrew WK. Trying to tear away at this idea of leadership. As usual, I've bit off much more than I can chew, bit off more than I can even fit in my mouth, bit off more than I can even bite off. Just try to like tear away at a piece of the bite. And a whole bunch more broke off with it. We talked about leadership being this willingness to to do whatever it takes. To do more than anyone else is asked to do. Do more than is than expected of you. Do more than you have to do. That a leader does it all. Thanklessly and with joy. A tireless type of energy a vitality that radiates and permeates the entire area, not just the other people, but the very atmosphere itself. You can tell. I've been at uh, big events, or you could even say like going into a, a grocery store. I went to a grocery store today that was not you know, some fancy gourmet grocery store. It was, uh, you know just really like any other grocery store and very typical building looked like any other supermarket in terms of the way things were displayed and the general items on offer. However, there was a feeling in the air that made it probably the best grocery store I've ever been to in my life. And again, if I took a photo of it and showed someone they might not notice anything particularly remarkable at all. I mean, they could tell it was very clean, very tidy, very organized, and that definitely made an impact. 
But there was a feeling in the air in this grocery store where I could tell that this place must have the greatest manager of any grocery store in the world. And I didn't even meet the manager. I didn't see the manager. I didn't talk to anyone that would have been higher up. I mean, I dealt with a, a butcher who was extremely nice. Fantastic. I've never dealt with a better butcher. The person at the checkout, the cashier, was fantastic. But it was evident that whoever was running that place, who was ever leading this grocery store, was a fantastic leader because their presence permeated the air. Another absolutely incredible power that leaders have. And I've seen this. And this is where leaders become like teachers. Because this is a, a skill or an aptitude that I've specifically seen in teachers. I'm going to use my piano teacher, my recent piano teacher, as an example. As I have told you before, you may remember I've been taking piano lessons, or I started taking piano lessons when I was around five years old and had many amazing teachers. But it actually wasn't until very recently, after not taking lessons for, well, boy, uh, probably about 10 years, probably stopped taking lessons around 15, 16 years old. And I still was playing piano, just really wasn't taking lessons. And then around age 25 or 26, I decided to take lessons, largely because I met this amazing piano teacher. And he wasn't much older than me, maybe a couple of years older, which was definitely a difference uh, compared to my old piano teachers who were twice or even three times my age maybe even four times my age, but uh, he was like my peer. Yeah, of course, he was also extraordinarily advanced pianist. I mean, light years beyond me, which I want a piano teacher to be. Of course, you can learn from someone uh, who's at your skill level, even below your skill level. Everyone has uh, interesting insights to offer when it comes to an instrument. But this guy is world class. And one of the most incredible things happened very early on, probably in our second lesson, where he had asked me to pick something to learn, pick a, a piece, a piano piece I wanted to learn. Well, I picked what I thought was a you know, pretty challenging piece. I actually hesitated to even mention it to him because I just thought there's no way I'll be able to play this, this piece. It was the harpsichord solo of a, a Bach concerto that I just ha happened to be listening to a lot or had heard recently was just completely blown away by this harpsichord solo. So I was kind of thinking, well, if I could learn how to play any piano piece, what would I want to learn? And I figured, okay, well, how about this? Sort of because it was just on my mind and there was nothing else I could think of, but also because it was really hard. I didn't even know where to begin with learning something like that. And I figured he would say, well, you know, let's save, let's save that for down the road. That, that's a bit challenging. Uh, that's a bit daunting. Let's, let's go with something a little bit easier. What he said changed my life and I'll never forget it. He said, okay, great. Well, you could definitely learn that. And I just could not believe that he 
that he had the confidence in me to think that I could learn that. And now, please understand, I am not saying this because I'm such a great pianist and of course I could play this. The point I'm trying to make is that his, I don't think he actually did know if I could do it or not. Uh, and I actually did speak to him about this after the fact. And he said he didn't know if I would be able to actually play it. But what's the point in saying that as a piano teacher? He instilled a confidence in me because of how confident he seemed to be about me. I figured if, well, this guy's that good of a piano player and he thinks I can play it, well, who am I to question him? He's better than I am. If this teacher thinks that I can play this, then I guess I can because they know better than I do. A leader can make you believe in yourself more than you believe in yourself. They can bring things out of you that you didn't know were there. And it's not clear always if they see those things and they recognize that potential or if they themselves don't know yet have some ability to pull this quality out of you. And it's not clear if you're giving that to them, if you're rising to their standards, their level, or if you're rising to your own standard, your own highest potential. But that's uh, an incredible power that a great teacher or a great leader has, is this ability to make you more than you thought you were. And your trust in them, it's your admiration for the teacher, your belief in that leader that suddenly makes you believe more in yourself. Because if they believe in you, well then gosh, you have to believe in you too. If you believe in them and they believe in you, then you suddenly believe in yourself. What a beautiful gift to be given and to give someone else. To see the potential for something more in someone and to push them until they get there. People have many different methods for how to go about that pushing. With some, it's more of a pulling than a pushing. And I think, you know, that kind of relates, again, to this idea of leading and following. If you're leading, that feels like pushing. If you're following, that feels like pulling. It's America WK. Stay with me. I'll be right back. A party for being alive. This is America WK. With Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. What they're doing is sickeningly wrong, but they're not incorrect, are they? No, they're not. Maybe maybe that's why, here's a segue, maybe that's why Donald Trump is running ahead of everyone in California as a Republican, which hasn't happened in 30 years. Just maybe. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. The undisputed king of partying invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. 
Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. Today we're talking about leadership. And so far we've really discussed primarily the dynamic that occurs between two or more people. One being the leader, the other being the follower. And sometimes that can switch back and forth. The leader can be both a leader and a follower, and the follower can be both a follower and a leader. And it's really uh, very commendable when a great leader is able to also be a follower when necessary. Nothing is as draining or disappointing when you see two leaders, neither of which is able to cooperate or follow the other out of ego or pride or just habit, just no flexibility, no familiarity with other modes of behavior or thinking, or somehow thinking that it's uh, beneath them to follow someone else. Again, a great leader is the person who has their eyes on the prize, who is goal-oriented to such a degree that they don't care what it takes to succeed, to get to that place, which is usually a shared goal, a collective destination. And if that means they have to follow, if they have to shift, if they have to bend, if they have to change, that's all part of being a leader. A leader is always a leader even when they're following because they're moving towards the goal. So we've talked about this dynamic as it occurs with two or more people. But one thing that we haven't talked about and that I was just thinking about during the break was that this whole leadership and follower dynamic occurs within each one of us on a singular individual basis. We are, for our own self, both a leader and a follower. We lead ourselves to something. We follow our instincts. We lead ourselves astray. We follow our hearts. There's a constant push and pull within ourselves. Being pushed by desire. Being pulled by some intangible force such as fate or one's destiny, trying to shape one's destiny or alter one's fate, trying to chart a path or trying to follow a road, trying to cut your own way or trying to discover the road that's already there. So within your own self, can you be both a good leader and a good follower? To have that clarity, to know when to follow your own, your own life and see where it takes you without knowing where it's headed. To have that kind of faith and at times to lead your life. To have the boldness and the vision to see where it is you want to go and then follow that vision. In this way, again, we can really see how leading and following this push and pull is really one thing. 
It's about getting to some place. And as often is the case, that place is not always an outside destination far away. It could be an inside discovery very deep within. To be able to follow one's own heart as it leads you into a full understanding of yourself. And really, if we go back to the idea of another person leading you or another person following you, those experiences ultimately still lead you into yourself where you can follow this kind of insight, this kind of awareness of who you really are. Working with great leaders, as we discussed, brings out the best in you. Following people makes you a great leader. It's all this incredible dance. Great dancers are able to lead and follow. And this dance of life, we really should seek to have both skills. And never, ever mistaken one as superior. That's probably one of the most common misconceptions. I know I've had it, this idea that a leader is somehow better or more important than the follower. Nothing could be further from the truth. And that really is very evident when we see people in leadership positions somehow believing or getting caught up in this idea that they're somehow superior. They're somehow higher or more important or more valuable than the people they're leading. It really is not that way. But we can be very patient with all, all the different folks around us, all these different games that are being played, and still remember that we have to be our own leaders and our own followers, first and foremost. And that goes for anyone that we would lead or follow. We have to be able to do it on our own inside first. Because you really can't get to any place. I guess just like it is with love. It's very hard to love someone else until you have a basic love for yourself. And that love should not also be thought of as something uh, sort of conceited or self-involved. It is in many ways the selfless appreciation for being able to exist, if not just to then be able to serve or follow or lead other folks. It's an understanding of one's place and an appreciation for the place one finds oneself in and what you can then do from that place, what you can accomplish from that position as a leader or as a follower. We all have so much potential in whatever position we may be in. And really, equal power. Equal power in terms of what really matters. When it comes down to it. Yeah, of course, some people have more power in certain areas. 
Some people can exhibit great influence in certain spheres. But oftentimes, those are not the most important spheres, the most important areas. Important in terms of what really matters or is meaningful at the end of the day. At the end of the day, what really matters is you and your own life. And that, again, is not selfish. That's just the point that we're operating from. That's the one thing we all have in common. And in that place, we are our own leader. That's a beautiful thing. That's self-reliance. It's the only way we could hope to make anything better, starting from ourselves. It's America WK. I'll be right back. This is America WK with your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. If these two things happen and neither of them are particularly likely at this moment, but if Joe Biden gets in and wins, and then in addition, we get a run from Bobby Jindal, and then you have a debate stage in which the guy who said, hey, all these Indians are everywhere, what's going on? You can remember, can you think of the lines Jindal will come up with as the 7-Eleven candidate? Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back to America WK. I am Andrew WK, and today was all about leadership. You know, I led myself during this talk right down a confusing and shadowy tunnel of Babel, not a tower of Babel. A tunnel of Babel. And I thank you for your patience as I tried to unravel this seemingly simple yet rather complicated idea of leadership. Let's review here. We talked about leadership as being willing to do anything and everything that you would have those who are following you do meaning nothing is beneath you, no work is too dirty or too demanding. You are not above those you are leading. You are in the trenches with them, deeper in, willing to do more than anyone else and do it with joy and determination. We talked about leadership as the ability to bring out more in the people around you than they think is inside of themselves. Not just to see the potential, but to actually bring it forth. When someone believes in you more than you believe in yourself, suddenly you believe in yourself because you believe in them. And they believe in you. It's an incredible power to actually make someone capable of more than they were capable of. Amazing leaders also seem to have this supernatural vitality, this radiating energy that not only empowers them with this incredible spirit and adrenaline, 
and not only empowers the people around them, but actually permeates the very atmosphere and creates this incredible momentum, this incredible drive, this inertia where all energy is directed towards the goal. All eyes are on the prize, not just the leaders. Everyone is a leader and a follower towards that end result, that goal, that vision. And of course, great leaders are also able to be great followers. They have that ability to shift, to move, to transform, to do whatever is needed of them, to do whatever the goal requires. And again, to do it with love, with excitement, with a sense of service to that goal. In that way, the goal is the ultimate leader. The vision, the destination is the leader. Everyone is following that in one way or another. And perhaps that's a wonderful mindset for us to to end on. Let us all follow, ultimately, that rather unknowable yet extremely deeply felt will of the world, of life, of existence, of God, whatever you want to call it, the highest, best part of yourself, let that be your leader. That part of yourself that is also shared by everyone else, let that be our leader. That place that we know we all have to get to somehow or another, let that be our leader. Let us be strong enough to lead those towards that, and let us also be strong enough to follow towards that goal. We don't necessarily even have to know what it is or where we're going or even how we're going to get there, but there has to be some destination that we are all following and leading each other towards. We're all doing a great service towards life itself. That is the ultimate leader, this mysterious, incredible, beautiful, miraculous thing called life is the ultimate leader. We're all following life, and yet we're all able to use that same life force in us to lead. That's the ultimate energy. That's the ultimate excitement, vitality, urge, drive, whatever you want to call it. The drive that we have, the will to live, the will to survive and keep moving forward is the same as the will of all life, of, of the entire vastness of space. Somewhere that is emerging from, there's some place that it's all heading towards and coming from. No matter how you want to describe it or sum it up, that is up to you. But we were all being propelled and at the same time pulled by that immeasurably strong force. That is the leader. The, that is the leader that cannot follow anything. All it does is lead. It is the magnet all else is being pulled towards. And let yourself be pulled towards it. Feel that. That is how we live in the first place. 
It is the most beautiful and wonderful and fascinating and inspiring power of all. And it's always present within us. And whatever we have to offer, the best in ourselves is made up of that. So stay close to that. Follow that wherever it takes you, and you'll be all right. This has been Andrew WK. This has been America WK. Thank you so much. Goodbye. This is America WK, hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.